and welcome to Media MD, your fortnightly Doof Network dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And we are back this fortnight to talk about New Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let's... Yeah, yep. I mean, uh, well, I was going to say, usually we start with a plot summary, but uh, yep. this is a sitcom. It's going to be more like a situational uh, yes. recap. We'll probably touch on specific episodes as we go along. All you really need to know if you haven't seen this show is it's uh, about a girl called Jess who gets cheated on by her boyfriend of like five or six years, I think, mm. um, who she lives with, and so therefore must move out. And she moves out, wait for it, with three guys? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, yeah, so she gets new roommates, uh, three men who are very manly and really need to learn a thing or two about women. And uh, then it's just her and these three guys who are named Nick, Schmidt and Coach in the pilot. <laughs> and, then, um, and then Wilson. Winston. Uh, Winston, sorry, Winston in the rest of the show. And also there's her best friend, Cece, who's a model. And so, of course, three men with meeting a model. Who knows what could happen? <laughs> and that's the gist of the show. Yeah. So, I mean. I'm already picking up vibes from your uh, from your <laughs> analysis there, and I, I got to say, rewatching the quarter of season one that I rewatched, uh, mm. both before that prescription and for this, I I had not accurately remembered how terrible the early show was with just uh, just handling gender, basically. Yes, um, it's. <sighs> It's so I let's talk about how much I watched. I watched the entire first season. Yeah. And then earlier today you were like to me, Oh, I rewatched some of this and it's really it's got some flaws. Watch some later episodes. <laughs> so I watched season four, episode ten, and season four, episode eleven to kind of get a picture of how the later show develops. It's got eleven uh, it's not eleven, seven seasons, so it really went for a long time. Um Yeah. And uh yeah, I, look, yeah. So let me touch on my thesis that I carefully developed over the first season of this show, which is, so the intro to the show, like the, the title sequence, is uh, Jess, who's played by Zoe Deschanel, who is a musician as well, kind of singing this song about how quirky she is, and uh, the three other characters are kind of holding up the set pieces for her. Mm-hmm. And it, the the intro gave me like big crazy ex-girlfriend vibes where it's kind of like meta and breaking the fourth wall about the fact that it's a TV show and all that stuff. Um, and that's really the vibe that I got from this show is it feels like it wants to be, it desperately wants to be crazy ex-girlfriend, <laughs> but just doesn't quite stick the landing. And the closer it gets to crazy ex-girlfriend, the better it gets. And that's kind of my thesis for the show as a whole. Um when it when it is able to have these characters act like human beings and like discuss like their flaws and all that stuff, like it really flies. Um, there's an episode where Jess has to interact with uh, the girlfriend of Nick, and this girlfriend of Nick is this kind of like she's a girl that's kind of defined herself by being like one of the guys kind of person. So she really likes sports and all that stuff, and she. Uh, is afraid of getting in touch with her emotions because she thinks that makes her not appealing as a as a potential partner. Um, whereas Jess as a character is very quirky, very much uh, kind of knows who she is in terms of um, her, her femininity, I suppose, but is not uh, very mature in terms of dating and stuff like that. Um, 
And so these two play off each other in really interesting ways and kind of force each other to confront the way that they are as women and the way that they've kind of evolved to be as women in in this society that they live in. And it, it leads to some really interesting conversations. And then there's other episodes where, you know, characters are just kind of being douchebags, like the male <laughs> characters, especially Nick, who's the worst character, and I hate him so much. See, that's so interesting to me, because I, I love Nick mm. as this kind of... Like, I think, like, in a lot of ways, this is a show about a bunch of people helping each other to grow up um kind yeah. of way too late is is the other part of the gimmick like these are all people in their 30s who probably should have their shit together by now but they all don't yeah. in various ways um and it, it's interesting how much i think my perception has been skewed by the later parts of the show where they're further along those journeys mm. um because like yeah uh, like going back and, and watching the first few episodes of season one i was like God, Sh- Schmidt is just the fucking worst. Yeah, the first few episodes are especially bad. Um, yeah. Schmidt and, and Winston start really carrying the show from about episode eight onwards um, yeah. because they seem to be more self-aware of their flaws. Schmidt is kind of a like a bit of a womanizer, but actually also is like he loves cooking and cleaning and stuff like that, mm. and he's made fun of it fun of for it by some of the other characters but he seems very confident in like he is both kind of masculine or hyper masculine sometimes but also very comfortable with the fact that he likes to cook and clean and all this stuff yeah he really kind of leads the way as actually you think he's going to be the biggest douchebag at the start but then he almost immediately becomes the most mature character and i quite liked that pivot um, I, I think something that the show does more and more, and I think it doesn't land at the start because they're not open about this is where it's going, but like almost all of the overly masculine things that the guys are doing um, are usually coming from places of insecurity. Like the bits where they're playing up like, oh, I'm such a buff dude or whatever. It's, it's, it's always coming from a place of some form of insecurity. And, and Schmitz obviously comes from the fact that he used to be overweight. Mm. Um, and that's something that's sort of, becomes part of his character and then it almost then it's kind of like okay so he's usually being a douche and because he's sort of like hasn't emotionally confronted stuff in his past basically yeah uh and i think nick is probably the slowest burn in that regard because his kind of thing is that he's just kind of lazy he's um, yeah he's a bad person and i really dislike <laughs> him um i and i really dislike from the start of the show it's setting up that nick and jess are meant to end up together and I don't know if they do or not. They don't in season one. Um, but it kind of, there are a few beats where Jess will f- say something like, oh, no, but I met you, Nick, and so now I'm kind of on the right path. And watching that, I'm just kind of like, what the fuck, Jess? Like, he has only made your life worse in the time that you've known him. You keep thinking that he's improved your life somehow, but really he's just again and again let you down. I don't know why... I just don't know why they put up with him. I really dislike him. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. I, I was really, like, I agree. Like he's, he's defined in the first half of the show by just kind of being useless slash lazy. Um, yeah. and he kind of gets there, but I, I don't know. I always kind of found that kind of lovable. I mean, obviously at times it's mm. a problem. That is, that is the point. But a lot of the time I kind of found it like, uh, you know, oh, that's just, that's just him. And sometimes it's funny. I, I don't know. I didn't see him. I don't remember hating it as viscerally as as you seem to, I guess. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I, I don't know. Maybe I just 
Uh, something about Nick just really rubbed me the wrong way, honestly. <laughs> um, and maybe it was the fact that a large part of his season one storyline was him dating 18-year-old women at the college that he's, like, friends with the professor at. And oh, it just was, it felt really grimy. And I yeah, just I really... I mean, so for context, like you talked about what you watched. Uh, for for this, I I think I got about five or six episodes into season one. Uh, half of that before the prescription, and then I just kind of noped over to season three and four because yeah. I was just finding season one, yeah, uh, difficult to rig it into. And I was like, have I? And I mean, part of that is that I love what the characters become, but I also mm. think part of it is that I'm a I'm a different person to who I was seven years ago, and I was just yeah. watching this. And I was like, oh, I do not like this early show anymore yeah Uh, look i don't want to be too harsh on it because i think the first like three or four episodes are really the worst for this and then most of the characters except for nick really start to level out and and it starts being much more competent as a show Mm. i don't know what the deal is with nick (laughs) maybe it takes him a few seasons that's fine um i don't know i think maybe i think maybe there's just something between you and nick that needs to be resolved Um, but I actually really did, like, I don't want to just bag on the show because I actually really did quite find myself enjoying the non-Nick aspects of it <laughs> as the show progressed. Um, Schmidt and Cece, I think are a highlight. Uh, yeah. they, they start forming a relationship that is very explicitly like just sexual to start with. And then they both kind of start developing feelings for each other and they're both uh, adults that have kind of defined themselves by being like, yeah, romance is for kids. Like we're over it. We can ha- live happy, fulfilling lives, having casual sex, and we're both okay with it and all that stuff. And they're kind of they they see themselves as very adult in that way, but then they can't really struggle. They they can't really understand how to ne- negotiate an actual serious relationship, mm, um, mm. which leads to some quite funny moments that are also like heartwarming uh so i think cc cc's used very well in the show because i've been season one she's almost more recurring yes than a, than a main yeah but she's used very well as a she's she's a lot of the time kind of the straight man like she's she's the the least crazy one like i think these four yeah. people who live together are the most insane and yeah and definitely and cc's often kind of played as the, the the straight man is like what the fuck are you guys on about but then she also has her own quirks and it's like the more they introduce of her or the, the more time they spend with her the more she kind of has her own personality but she's not crazy enough to not be the straight man as well and i think they walk that line quite well mm. yeah she she is either like support for jess when jess is having you know her own dramas or uh is playing off of schmidt or one of the other characters who are doing some wacky schemes and she always uh serves the group well in that sense it's quite good um mm. I I want to touch on Jess next, because she is a hard character for me to wrap my head around. I don't know how I feel about her, because mm. there are times when I think she's very interesting as a character. There was this one scene, there was this one scene in, like, episode three or four that I really liked, where she was talking to Nick about how immature he was, and he said to her, you can't even say the word penis. And she really struggles to say it, because she's so, she kind of seems very, like, bad at at being okay with intimacy mm, um mm. and i found it really interesting to have her kind of struggle with that but then that that kind of fades away and then she just she kind of just bounces all over the place a bit um like there's an episode she she has a relationship with a, a guy who's also a teacher at her school uh, his name is genslinger I, I can't remember something like that he's played by uh 
uh, Justin Long. It's great. It's a great role. It's hilarious. Um, and this guy is basically a mirror image of her, like also very quirky in the same ways that she is. Um, that relationship falls apart eventually. And then there's an episode, episode 23 called back backslide where Jess sleeps with him after she breaks up with a, a later boyfriend. And then he reveals to her that he has a girlfriend and she's just accidentally become the other woman in this relationship. Yeah. And this plotline kind of ends with her helping him convince his girlfriend, whose name is Jen, that she should stay with him. And then he helps him propose to her because he was planning to propose to her. And it's it's a real mess of a situation (laughs) and one that is played off like, yeah, I did it. I helped this guy reconcile with his girlfriend. But it's terrible because he confesses to her that he cheated on her and then immediately proposes to her which is <laughs> and she says yes which like okay fine like of course if you want to do that that's that's fine that's that's your decision but in the same situation where you've just been like he's just said that he cheated on you with the girl that's standing right there like it's a real <laughs> mess of a situation and it's played off as Jess has just done this thing that she's happy with and it's kind of like Jess that is you just did a bad thing what you just did it's really weird. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I definitely took the longest to warm up to Jess the first time I went through the show. I I would have summarized my old feelings for her as like she she alternated between yeah, I agree. She had some real good genuine moments as a character, but then often I felt like she was the least kind of three-dimensional of the characters like sometimes, it, it like, yes. It felt like there were a lot of episodes where they would just lean on Hey, look, she's she's quirky and random. <laughs> she's doing um, the quirk, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh, look how look how random she is. And I I think they got better with that going forward. But like, I I agree that there's like you can tell that there's a really interesting character underneath, and they're just not using it as much in this first season. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It kind of, uh, and maybe it is just a product of sitcoms being different seven years ago than they are today. Like, yeah. If well, this TV, had, TV yeah, exactly. Totally different, yeah. like. If this show, instead of having a 24-episode season, had a 12-episode season, for example, mm. I feel like they wouldn't just be like, okay, now let's do an episode where, you know, whatever, it's it's some random thing that they need to deal with, and it's just some random quirky situation, and it doesn't really have any impact on anything. Because there are a few episodes like that, and that's fine, because that's what the format was in, whatever, 2008. Um, but it kind of, I, I don't know, I feel like the show would have been better if there there was more exploring of the characters and actually what their flaws were and maybe that does come later i just i don't know yeah i, I think it does uh i think i think maybe you know like like i guess you know i think the gold standard to compare this sort of thing to would be the first three seasons of community which mm. i think managed to fit in 20 something episodes a season and kind of feel like everything was moving forward yeah exactly um, and and I, I i i don't know enough about the production of this show it could be interesting to look at who wrote each episode and just maybe see if it was sort of the the way the right the writing room was structured there was people who leaned towards certain characters over others and that's why some characters fell flat in some episodes or whatever um yeah yeah like this show definitely uh, like i think at times suffered from the sort of 22 plus episodes in a season thing as a lot of shows from back then did like it's you know these days you go back and watch a lot of these shows and you're kind of like what why there's so many episodes and so so many of them are just nonsense. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, yeah, you know, the CW still does that. Oh yeah, totally. 
Um, I, I guess lastly we should touch on Winston, who I think is probably my second favorite character after Schmidt. Winston mm. was pretty great. Um, Winston and Schmidt, I think, really carried the show for me. They were just consistently hilarious. Um, so, what was Sh- what was um, Winston's journey throughout season one? Um, because at the start of season one, he was very different to the Winston I remember from the latter half of the show. So, the interesting thing about Winston is he he comes back. So he doesn't exist in the first episode. He comes back yeah. in episode two. And episode two actually is a better pilot than episode one. So I don't know why they <laughs> even bothered to keep episode one. Anyway, he comes back and he kind of is struggling to settle back into his life. Um, I'd say the two things that happen to him in season one that kind of define his arc are, one, he has to get a new job because he's been playing pro- professional or semi-professional basketball in latvia i think yes. for two years yeah and he's struggling to readjust to american life and having a job he, he kind of is temping for a while and then he becomes a like a nanny to a to a kid for a while um <laughs> and then he becomes like a an assistant on a sports radio program and and this is it leads to a few interesting situations and it it has him struggle with the the, the concept of well who is he now that he's not the thing that he defined the first half of his life as being um, so that's quite interesting to me. And then the second thing is he comes back and he tries to hook up with his regular booty call before he was away. And this girl has moved on in the two years that he's been gone. And he kind of realizes that he really has feelings for this girl and, and has to win her back. And so he goes through this process of struggling to to reconcile who he used to be, this kind of like jock athlete who wasn't even really that good, but just was able to coast on that because he was good enough. And has to kind of redefine himself as, you know, a modern man who is like more in touch with his emotions and and more like sensitive and doesn't just call this girl to to fuck every once in a while, but actually cares about her, which he finds that he does. Um, so I think he 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 and and Schmidt. The reason I like them so much is they both quite quickly start towards their journey of not just being pieces of shit. So <laughs> I, that's what I think made me okay with them a lot more. And, that, and when you're more okay with somebody, you, you obviously can laugh more at the jokes that they make and all that stuff, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, like that was that was the thing. That was why I noped out of season one so quickly. Is I was like, I just wasn't laughing as much as I would have been because I didn't like any of them in that start <laughs> exactly. of the show. It um, makes it hard, doesn't it? But I mean, I guess without, I, I, I don't know, I guess spoilers for later New Girl. Um mm. I found Winston in season one very jarring because for the second half of the show, he's like, he's kind of defined by the fact that he owns a cat and he's very un, like, not traditionally masculine. Is kind <laughs> he's of defined by the fact that he owns a cat. Well, yeah. I <laughs> what mean, a definition like for he, a character to have. Um, like he, he, he becomes this kind of old, old cat lady, basically. Like that's, that's sort of oh. what he is in the second half of the show. Okay. And, and he's Weird. great, but it was just watching the start of season one. And he was like this basketball jock. And I was like, did I just, have I hallucinated the last four seasons? <laughs> like, what the, it was, it was a very, like, uh, Winston is definitely the one who in, in the start of season one, I was like, that is not at all the character that I have been picturing. Strange. He's, he's very different in the second half of the show and uh, like a lot, a lot better. Um, I, Do they introduce in season one, like Winston's pranks? No. All? Okay. <laughs> what? Is is he defined by having a cat and being a prankster? I mean, yeah, kind of. Okay, there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, so look, this is a seven-season-long show, so obviously they have to play around with uh, the format a bit. Um, yeah. But I do think that, like, 
I don't know. I could feel it getting better, and I could feel the characters growing on me as I watched the show. But having said that, it doesn't feel... <sighs> I think my main problem with it is it it made stabs towards saying things every now and again, but it never really felt like it wanted to deal with any anything that strong. Like, it... I, I, I compared it to, to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend at the start because that's what I felt like it wanted to be when I was watching it. It, it wanted to explore... Like, it's obviously, it's a show about gender politics and, and gender relations, right? Like, that's really the thing that drives, I'd say, 60% of the episodes um, mm. is, you know, like, <laughs> war, battle of the sexes kind of stuff or, or you know, men, how men and women have different kinds of friendships or, or all that stuff. Um, and it, it, it made stabs towards making points about this that I actually found insightful on, on the occasion when it went far enough to, to kind of coalesce what it was saying into an actual point, but it felt like it shied away from doing that a lot as well. And, and it made me feel like I just wanted to watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which does the same thing, <laughs> but does it more brazenly, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. Um, and the music is better in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the theme song for New Girl is always one of my least favorite parts. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I like. I liked it. I, there were parts of it that I really did like. I just felt like it. It just wasn't. It wasn't going far enough. It felt too. It felt too couched. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um. I. I mean. I think that is just a symptom of what uh network TV was like. Yeah. Maybe a bit more back then. Like I guess because I could. I'd compare it to Brooklyn Nine Nine. I mean, this is I guess a bit of a tangent, but like the later season of Brooklyn Nine Nine, uh, kind of got way more statement driven i think than it used to be yeah, yeah and, totally. and, I, and I i quite i quite liked that as as a bit of a change i think like sometimes it maybe carried the show a bit too much but um overall i thought it was sort of a positive change and yeah. uh it, it, i'd be interested now to jump back in like, season one of brooklyn 99 and see like i kind of feel like it was just a goof show back then yeah it's interesting i it's an interesting kind of trend right because it happened with uh, the Good Wife, as it turned into The Good Fight, it obviously became much more political. Yes. <laughs> Orange is the New Black, as well, had a similar thing. And I, I really like it. I really like the politicization of these shows because I, it kind of, I don't know, it feels like there's, it's more common for shows to actually want to say things. And I, yes, like I, I'm totally behind that. Like I can't, I can't not get behind that. It just feels much more, I don't know, authentic. You know. Yeah, well, I think like TV, even what ten years ago is when it kind of started to change. But I think back in the day, TV was very much it was just meant to be entertainment for the large part. Like most yeah. TV was just designed to be entertainment. Where you know, F- Future Army used to joke about it how at the end of the thirty minutes everything had to be back to normal. Yeah. Um, and and that's really changed a lot, particularly in the last five years. And I think that's sort of why we're seeing the shift in now. People are actually telling stories, and part of that means that they actually have to have points to those stories. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I I wonder what the seventh season of New Girl would be like, and I kind of maybe I'll watch a few episodes from it to to see how it stacks up. Um, I, yeah. I watched the two episodes from season four, and it was really weird. Obviously, so much had happened. <laughs> Coach was back. It was really strange. Yeah. So the story with Coach is that they obviously had him in the pilot. And then I think the actor got a job. I think he was in, there was some show, um, people have been telling me to watch it. It's called Happy Endings, I think. Mm. And he got a lead role in that. So he sort of left and, you know, between the pilot and the show going to series, yeah. he left. So they re- they replaced him with Winston. Um, 
And then, obviously, I think Happy Endings didn't last very long, and so they sort of just brought Coach back in. Sure, um, why not? And, yeah, I don't know. It it works out eventually, but Coach kind of re-goes through the whole thing where when they first bring him back in Season 3, he's just a complete asshole again. Mm. Um, that, that was one of the bits I jumped back to, and I was he came back in, and I was like, oh, shut up. And then, yeah. Um, it, like, yeah, eventually, again, he softens up, and they he, they start to break through the um kind of overly brutish uh facade he's putting up but um yeah yeah like it's um it's a show that definitely kind of evolves the characters a fair bit i think yeah interesting maybe i will jump into it in season seven and see how it goes yeah i don't know i feel like there are nuggets of good characters in there and just especially nick and to a lesser extent jess they just didn't (laughs) land it you know yeah this is very much a show that's driven by uh those characters so yeah. i can like if if they're not clicking for you then it's definitely not not gonna work and and like watching this again i think if i sat down to watch season one of this today i would not have watched the rest of it like i did yeah. like uh I, I think i must have been a very different person back when i first popped this on because i obviously fell in love with it and i and i like what the show becomes but i it's got a pretty rocky start um that i'd forgotten about i want to read out some lines from my notes because um, I was taking notes as I watched the episodes, as I yes. sometimes do for stuff like this. I'm going to start off with my notes for Season 1, Episode 18, Fancy Man Part 2. Here we go. <clears throat> Nick is a horrible character with no redeeming qualities. And then for the next episode, yeah, it was good. Non-eccentric episodes are the best. <laughs> then the next episode, mm, it was okay. And then from the next episode, yeah, it would have been fine if Nick didn't exist. <laughs> He's the worst. I'm so sensing think, a theme. Yeah, there's an obvious <laughs> theme here to my, to my reaction to the show. Um, um anyway well, so, so one thing we haven't quite talked about um that i think we probably should is uh obviously the style of comedy yeah um because i think I'd, I'd be interested to hear your opinion on how the jokes went for you yeah there's obviously some some very specific uh devices that they use a lot in this show yeah so i think you mentioned in the prescription a few things you mentioned that they do the quick cutaways that feel kind of family guy-esque i i think you put it yes I, I, i'd agree with that i think that's a fair description and those worked for me quite well um yeah it, yeah. it really does help land a, a punchline for a joke somebody will make an offhand comment that's got a little bit of kind of intrigue to it you know comedic intrigue and then they'll really sell it with the with the quick cutaway um and i think you also mentioned the style of comedy feeling different and i I really felt this as well. Like, it it wasn't that it felt, like, British, although it was kind of that. It, it just kind of felt different to a to a, to a a different American sitcom, right? It, it felt different yeah. to a standard American sitcom. Kind of, maybe I'd describe it as community-esque or something like that. Just a bit. So I, I think I compared it to community, and I, I don't think I was very clear on this when I, when I listened back to the prescription. Mm. Um, community, to me, has a very unique, style of humor and i think new girl as well has a unique like i, I was yeah. me- meaning to compare them in the sense that not that their senses of humor is, are the same but as in they both have a sense of humor that feels quite unique to the show yeah i think that's right i it's it does feel unique it feels like they'll often go to places that are not really wild but just kind of different you know that are quite nice like there's an episode where one of the, it's usually, you know, it's got an A plot and a B plot for most episodes. It's a fairly yeah. standard sitcom structure. Uh, there's an episode called Bells, which is season one, episode something, I don't know, seven, I think. Um, and I actually, my notes have written that I didn't like this episode, but there's some stuff to it that I did like. It's an episode where Jess is teaching like a, a group of kids 
like troubled kids how to play uh, bells, like as an instrument, bells. And it turns out Winston's just a natural prodigy at this, and so he helps teach the kids. <laughs> and sure. it's just a weird plot. Like, it's just a really strange plot, and it's kind of got these elements of, like, the kids going on to, to play in the big championship or whatever um, that they would see in a kind of underdog sportsy kind of movie. But it's about bells, and it just takes a few really weird, interesting turns. And I think that's a, a good example of some of the stuff that it did that it actually did take some nice subversive steps. Like, there's there's a plot line where Jess starts dating a guy that's way older than her, and is a, a dad of one of the kids in her class. And there are a few interesting scenarios that it, that this brings up just because of things like the age difference or the fact that she is teaching the daughter of the man that she is now dating. And it brings up some interesting, like, semi-subversive plots, but it, again, it doesn't really go all the way with them. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, oh, yeah, well, so I guess, like, I think the other thing I think the show does that I'm struggling to quantify is I think they, there are a lot of, it's almost like characters talking under their breath as they finish or in responses to things. Like, I, I don't know. This is <laughs> like, there's often like some of the best jokes in the show are just uh, like these sort of second halves to sentences that characters say quietly, or um, often a character will just say something completely weird and another character will just sort of call it out. Like they'll say something about that. That's, that's just not true. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, I think the delivery is what really sells that part of the humor for me. Like I think, yeah, I think the actors and actresses all do a great job of kind of just delivering uh, these sort of underhanded lines. Yeah, I actually think the actors are all doing relatively well. Even uh, Jake Johnson, who plays Nick, I kind of was struggling to reconcile my thoughts about him. And then I realized he also plays old Peter Parker in Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. Which is basically like what it would be if Nick was (laughs) Spider-Man. (laughs) <laughs> and it kind of really coalesced to me like actually i really really liked his performance in that movie and he's playing the same character here and so it kind of feels like it he is actually capable at doing what what he should be doing as an actor and the thing that i dislike about nick is just the situations that he finds himself in i guess yeah i mean when you really 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 hate a character that's often just as much a, a testament to the skill of the actor or actress yes as it exactly is if you really really love a character um if they can really just make you hate this person um they're probably yeah. doing something right a classic joffrey you know yeah exactly exactly <laughs> um yeah i i guess that's all i have to say about the show it it if you know rating it out of 10 i think i'm gonna give it a six Okay. And it's because there, I wanted it to fly, you know, but it just didn't get there for me. <laughs> like, there are yeah, things about what it was trying to do that I really liked, but it just didn't feel like it, it went far enough on them. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Like, re-watching bits of season one, I think that's that's a very fair statement. Yeah. Um, so, Elliot, it's uh, is it my turn to prescribe something this week? It, well, it would be. Um but we're, we're oh, doing something a bit different. Good, because uh, I don't have anything planned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're doing something a bit different today. Um, we got uh, a listener suggestion for an episode uh, that there's, you know, neither of us had seen it and it really piqued our interest. Yeah, so we haven't really thought out exactly how this is going to work. We're kind of winging it, which is really the ethos of this show in a yeah, nutshell. Yeah, on theme for this um, uh, prescription as well. Yes, so we had uh, one of our patrons reach out to us, uh, Tim underscore the underscore Enchanter, 
Um, that's definitely how that's meant to be read. Uh, yep. And they have recommended cabin pressure to us. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'll just read out their little one sentence, uh, sorry, one paragraph description of it, um, which yes. really uh, enticed us to 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 want to talk about it on the show. Um, yes. So, MJN Air is a single plane charter airline owned by the penny-pinching Caroline. She employs a safe pilot, Martin, played by Benedict Cumberbatch before he was big, as captain, and a good pilot, Douglas, whose respect for the rules is rather inconsistent, as co-pilot. Her common sense devoid son, Arthur, played by John Finnemore, serves as the steward. The four main characters all ping each other off of each other brilliantly with generous lashings of sarcasm. Um, so thanks, Tim the Enchanter, for, for bringing this to our attention. And if you want to uh, prescribe us something, just a quick note, you can do so by going to our website, Media MD Podcast. There's a little uh, microphone symbol where you can record some audio and send it in or send us an email. Yeah. Um, so obviously we got this email from Tim and yep. uh, we, yeah, we both read that and was like, yeah, okay, yeah, this sounds, sounds good. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, you you had me at Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, I think this is a great concept for a, like a sitcom as well, like a, especially for a small cast of characters. Yeah, um, to have them stuck on a plane all the time. Uh, I think that's a really good idea. <laughs> we should touch on the fact that this is a radio uh, comedy, right? So it's no, there's no visuals here. It's all radio voices. Yes. Um, I, I do like the premise because uh, obviously they have guest stars that come in and out for for episodes as well, playing presumably people who are like passengers or managing cargo or whoever who knows what yeah yeah exactly um like i think i think that's a really good formula uh to to set up i i've never listened in fact i'm not gonna lie i wasn't fully aware that they had radio shows like this um (laughs) i mean obviously so i've listened to podcasts over the last few years um i i haven't listened to like a full-on radio show so it's like some kind of pre-podcast podcast (laughs) (laughs) well i'll be interested to see if there are any differences like or if it feels any different i i I think probably not um but it it is it is interesting like i've never listened to a radio show before so i'm kind of keen to check it out yeah we should have rung the uh, new media alarm um so the creator john finnamore uh, who also plays one of the main characters. Uh, I was kind of looking into him, and he seems like he's got some pretty good uh, BBC comedy credentials. He was a writer on one of my favourite shows of all time, that Mitchell and Webb look, which is a David Mitchell and, and Robert Webb like sketch comedy. Those are the two yeah. uh, main stars and creators of, of Peep Show as well. Um, and I absolutely love that that show. It's got some really great sketch comedy stuff. And this show seems to have some really good reviews and, and strong reception. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in, and excited to dive into it. Yeah, me too. Like, I think, I think this is going to be really fun and, uh, it's going to be exciting. Both of us jumping into it, uh, without any idea what we're getting into. Or, yeah. Well, with a little bit of an idea. Um, if you want to follow along, you can find the episodes on Audible, uh, if you have an Audible subscription. If you look around, you can find some people who have converted it into a podcast, <laughs> which I yeah. found, which is, uh, uh less, uh, legit. But you can find stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, if you want to get in touch with us uh, as you're working your way through Cabin Pressure and, and let us know what you think of it, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. We are available at MediaMDPodcast. Yes. Uh, you can leave us your comments either on Twitter or by emailing us, uh, MediaMDPodcast at gmail.com. 
Yes, uh, the other place we can usually be found uh, probably too often is the Doof Media Discord, mm-hmm. uh, and that is exclusive to our patrons. So if you head on over to patreon.com forward slash Doof Media, you can see all the other great perks you get, and one of those obviously is access to the Discord where there's a, a whole MediaMD channel, and yep. you can talk about uh, cabin pressure with us there. Yeah, um, of course, you can just support us on Patreon just because you like the content. That would also be nice. Um, and <laughs> if you do like the content, there's other great content on the Doof Media Network, such as our other show that we do, Deep Impact, um, and a number of other great uh, podcasts on which you can find information about on doofmedia.com, which is the new home of MediaMD, and also the new home of all of the clues for the MediaMD ARG, where you can help us figure out just who is Dr. MD, and why are his friendships with the opposite gender so damn hard? Elliot, why don't you tell the listeners this fortnight's clue? Goggles. Goggles. And we'll see you next fortnight.